Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church this morning. We'll begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for the fact that when we were dead in our sins, you made us alive and you placed us in Christ forever. We thank you, Father, that the, the darker this world gets, the brighter your love and your hope is for us. We ask this morning, Father, that you would allow us to concentrate and participate in the goings-on here in our service this morning, in the singing, the teaching of your word, the fellowship with one another, the prayer. We ask, Father, during these days where even the world takes a moment to think about what this Christmas season is really all about, help us to maybe be boldly proclaiming them to them who Jesus Christ, your son, is and why he came. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand at this time and we'll sing a song. Oh, by the way, for those of you that are here in Florida, a mountain is what happens when when you move along and all of a sudden it gets a little higher and higher and it keeps going and going. And when it gets above a thousand feet, that's actually a mountain. I've never seen one in Florida, but so I wanted to make sure you knew the context for the song this morning. All right, a couple of things before we get started. First of all, we have a schedule update. Next Sunday, our Christmas Eve service will begin at noon. Get to sleep in a little bit. Noon time. Now, here's the good thing. If you come at 10, no problem. You just wait for us for an hour and a half. But no, it's noon time on next Christmas Eve. Um... Also, the week after that, New Year's Eve, will be regular time again. So it's just Christmas Eve, we'll have it at noon, and then we'll be back to 10 a.m. the following Sunday. Also, as a reminder, Lori's dad died recently, and the funeral service for for him will be this Friday, December 22nd at 3 o'clock. This Friday, December 22nd at 3 o'clock, for those of you who may be able to make it. I know people are working, it's a busy time of year, but... Good support for her would be very fine. It's at the Gardens of Boca Raton Cemetery and Funeral Services. The Gardens of Boca Raton Cemetery and Funeral Services. This is the address, 4103 North Military Trail, Boca Raton, Florida. The easy way to get all the information is to go on their website, however. It's just www.thegardens.com. Okay. Once again, by way of reminder, we are, we are participating in the Grace Bible Church Pakistan Christmas Care Package Fundraiser. I've mentioned that several times. For more information about that, we have something posted on our homepage under the latest editions, and you'll just see it there, Grace Bible Church Pakistan Christmas Care Packages. You can click on that and get all the information you need. Okay, um, I know a lot of us have already given to that, but you still have time. They're accepting donations through the end of the year. So I guess you don't have a lot of time now, but you have some time. So I'll encourage everybody who's able to do that as well. All righty. This morning's message comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, 
He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So here we see that Jesus tells his disciples that he has many more things to say to them. It's the last night. He's already told them he's going away soon. And there's, too, there's so much that's on his heart that he wishes he could tell them. But he also realizes that it's impossible for them to bear anything else right now. There are two reasons for this. The first one just has to do with their current state of mind. Their current state of mind. We've been seeing all along how difficult the time they were having coming to terms with the fact that he's going to leave them. He's their everything. He's the one that had said, you know, sell all your things and follow me. Follow me, follow me. People are all around where we're either denying or affirming that he's the Messiah. And now he's saying, I'm going to leave you. Leave you. And the, and the kingdom hasn't come about. So they were very upset about this. And so they knew that when they leave, he knew that when he leaves them, it would be even more difficult. And that it's going to be hard for them now and impossible later for even to con- take on new information about what's going on. And, and the, re- the thing is, is that their current state of mind isn't going to be helped when their teacher and shepherd is not with them anymore. So that's the first reason. First reason that he, they weren't able to bear these things, the things, the many more things that Jesus wanted to say to them is because their current state of mind wouldn't have allowed them to. But there's a second reason that's even more fundamental than the first. And that's this. It has to do not with their state of mind, but with their state of being, who they were at that time. So one thing is a temporary state of mind. I'm flustered, I'm worried, I'm concerned, I'm depressed. But the other one's more fundamental. It's who they were at that time and who they were not. Because the fact of the matter is, is they, they had not the capability to understand those additional things that he wanted to tell them. That, that's why he told them that you're going to need another helper, just like me, to take over where I'm, where I'm leaving off. And, and not only that, but that helper will be in your heart and he'll be there forever. And when he comes, he will not only be their guide and their messenger and encourager, he will change them radically in an instant when he comes. We see, of course, a visual help with that on the Pentecost day when they were hidden, afraid in the upper room. And all of a sudden, here comes the tongues as of fire descending on them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then they're bold and they understood things they could never have understood before. Peter would go out there that day and he would tell them how about all these things in the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Where do you think he got that from? He he got it from the Holy Spirit who now indwelt his heart. And for us, by the way, it's even more dramatic, the change, that when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. And the reason for that is, is that now that Christ has risen from the dead, not only can he guide and mentor us, but he also has placed us into Jesus Christ. And so 
But even for the disciples, the, 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 the absence of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, now he was around and with, but not in their hearts, limited what, they were, what their capacity was to understand these many more things that Jesus wanted to tell them. Nevertheless, on that evening, they must have wondered, what are these many more things that could have been said? I mean, think of the apostles again that night. Think of, the, think of what they'd been through, what they'd seen, what they'd heard, what they d- didn't understand. They may have reflected on things like when, they, when his ministry started and, and the Pharisees were questioning him why he had the authority to do what he was doing. At the time, he had just gone into the temple and knocked over the tables of the money changers and so forth. And they said, what's your authority? And he said, he said you see this building, this temple? it's going to come down in three days and then I'll raise it up again after that. Three days. And they were shocked. This took 46 years to build. How are you going to raise it again in three days? And the thing is, is I'll bet you that the, that the apostles, the disciples, wondered the same thing. Wondered the same thing. If, you know, a lot of times, this is the Christmas season, and Jesus said, of course, that unless you become as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom. And sometimes I, 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 it occurs to me that it's time to read a passage of Scripture like a child would. Or to put it another way, to read it as if it was the first time you read it. And if you were to do that in chapter 2 of, the, of John at the beginning, okay, all, but if you came to chapter 2 and there's Jesus and he's saying that I'm going to raise the temple in three days, think about a little kid listening to that. And looking at that huge temple, I mean, wouldn't it be a wondrous thing? He can do that? And I'm sure that the disciples, while they were adults, and they understood, you know, in his body he could never do it, he said it, and they must have wondered, what did he mean by that? As a matter of fact, let's take a moment and take a look at that passage. Please turn to John chapter 2, verse 18. John chapter 2, verse 18. This was the setting. This, was, this is the passage that I, I imagine they may, may have come to their minds among many other things. And they wondered, what are, those, what are the many more things that he, he would like to tell us, but he can't because we can't bear them now? Maybe they went back to this event. John chapter 2, verse 18. The Jews then said to him, what sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? At the end of verse 20, that's all that, that they, the disciples heard that day. What comes after that, verses 21 and 22, are things that the Apostle John was reflecting back on. By the way, with the guidance and direction of God, the Holy Spirit. So, so this is, don't mistake verses 21 for 22 with what the understanding was of those disciples that day. Okay? They heard like the Jews the same thing. Right? Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Verse 21. Here's the explanation. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. 
So notice this, though. When he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed then the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. But but remember, where we are in chapter 16 is he hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't risen yet. So they must have wondered, what was he talking about when he said that back there? They probably also wondered, you know, he said that he, he said that he who has seen me has seen the Father. He had just said that in the upper room. And, and at the time, we know that Philip, for example, the reason that Jesus said that was because Philip didn't get it. He didn't get it yet that Jesus and the Father were the same. That, 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 that the Father and Jesus have been together for all of eternity. That the Father's God and Jesus is God in the flesh. So they must have wondered that too. You see, now, because we now know what he meant there doesn't mean they did. They displayed their confusion that very night about that fundamental thing about who Jesus is. Before that, he had said this. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham was the great patriarch. He was the first, he was the first, as it were, Hebrew. Okay, it all went back to Abraham in terms of this whole nation and all the things, circumcision, all the promises of God to the Jewish people, it all went back to him. But here's Jesus who was born over 2,000 years after Abraham and he's telling the Pharisees, but everybody who's hearing, including the disciples, before Abraham was, I am. I was complete existence before Abraham was born. And they must have wondered, what is he talking about? And not just the Pharisees, but the disciples. Because they didn't get that. In fact, there's many people today, perhaps unbelievers, perhaps believers, who read that same statement, and they wonder the same thing. What, how could he say that? Well, they didn't understand it. Okay. How about all the I am statements that he made? Remember those. That's the, that's. Remember there are sevens, that uh, seven items, several times, the seven miracles, the seven I am statements. What did he mean? What did Jesus mean when he said I am the bread of life? What did he mean when he said I am the way, the truth, and the life? What did he mean when he said I am the light of the whole world? What did he mean when he said I am the good shepherd? And he said, I am the good shepherd who gives up his life for his sheep. And that there are other sheep that are not of this fold, not Jewish, but Gentile. And I, and I, am, I am there. I'm their shepherd also. I am the good shepherd who gives up his life for the sheep. They must have wondered, well, why did the shepherd have to die? What was it about the sheep and their situation such that the shepherd had to die? In the natural realm, that would be a disaster for the sheep. They would, be, they would be unprotected, leaderless. So why would a shepherd have to die? I'm sure these things puzzled them, and they wondered about them, as people have for the centuries since, as I have when I'm studying. You know, when I, when I, when I was teaching these things, it wasn't like off the top of my head. I could tell you exactly what it meant. I had to go through the same process that they're going to have to go through and that you go through, which is what? The whole, you read a passage, you think about something, and now the Holy Spirit guides you into the truth. See, that's the wondrous part of God's word, is that you have a question, or there's something you don't understand, 
But you too, remember this, you have a helper. You have a teacher, a guide, an encourager. And he lives in your heart. And he's there for that reason. To take the things that appear in the scriptures and help you to understand them. Make sense of them. To take a question that's bothered you for a long time. And finally, you're able to bear the answer too. Just like they weren't that night. That's what, that's what this is all about. So they, they must have wondered about when he said, I am the bread of life. I am the shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. The disciples wanted to understand these things. We want to understand them too. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're intellectually honest or if you're, if you're leveling with yourself, when you come across some of these passages in scriptures, they must at times, you might have to stop. Well, what does he exactly mean by that? What does he mean by he's the light of the world? Will somebody please come up now and explain that? Come on, come on. You were here when I taught that. Right? No, it's, it's something that we have to focus on, concentrate on. We have to go back and compare Scripture with Scripture. We have to, we have to rest and let the Holy Spirit guide us into, among other things, bringing back to our memory the other places where he talked about the light. What, he had, what, what John had said about him in chapter 1, in him was life. And that life was the light of the world. Or when Jesus said, you won't have the light with you much longer. Or when he said, while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. So you just have to put all those things together. And the riches that we have, we have First John and as well who talked about the light. Then you can start to get an understanding. But who gives you that understanding? Don't think for a minute it's your intellect. That's a mistake I used to make. I used to think I could just get all this information and cram it in my head and figure it out and spit out the answer. That's a computer. That's not a heart with the spirit inside. No, he's the one who brings these things. Right? We, have to, we really have to understand and fall in love with the fact that the Holy Spirit's in our hearts and all that that means. So again, we, got to wonder, and we, have to, we want to wonder these things, and we can. If we only because the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts permanently also. Think about the fellowship that that really means, by the way. We have the Holy Spirit in us. What, what, a, what, a, what a unique fellowship we have with him day and night. We have Christ in us. What an incredible fellowship that is. And I think that we, we need to be reminded of this. That's why we come together, is to go to the scriptures again and see it again and then marvel at it. You know, like a little child would. You mean God is in my heart? You know, it's, it's different from what they teach about the gospel. Ask Jesus in your heart. He's not there because you asked him. He's there because you believed in him. But it's, it's, it's true. So, back to the apostles. Back to the disciples. He said he wasn't going to tell them these things that night. He had many more. I mean, it's kind of a, a tease in a way. Right? Imagine if someone said, imagine if I said to you, I've said this to you in the past, man, there's many more things I want to teach you about, but you can't bear them now. Well, the, how, how would you feel? You'd be like, oh, man, I want to know what they are. Your curiosity would be even higher afterwards. And well, the disciples were just as human as we are. They must have been disappointed that he would think that, that he wouldn't tell them all these things. There must have been a twinge of sadness in their hearts. What is it that, is, that makes it impossible for him? We so much would love to know all of those things. And he said, well, you're not ready yet, but. 
I am going to send. He says, when I leave, I'm going to send somebody to you. I'm going to send you the helper. He's another helper, just like I was in these same areas of encouragement and challenge and teaching and guiding. He's going to be an advocate. He's going to help you pray before the Father. He's going to be the perfect teacher. And he's going to guide you into all the truth. And notice the parallel between many more things that I can't tell you and the Holy Spirit who's going to guide you into all the truth. See that? That's why he said, you know, there's, there's a limit here, okay, that I'm able to teach you now, okay, but when I leave, there's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to have 24-7 access to me, and not on earth, but in heaven. And I'm going to be up there with the Father in heaven. Can you imagine what kind of fellowship that is? And so the Holy Spirit will only say what he hears, but what is he going to hear when, he's, when, when the Jesus is in heaven with the Father? Jesus, our advocate, our Savior. Amazing. And that's why he said, it's to your benefit, guys, that I go back to the Father. Because the Spirit, who I'm going to send you, will guide you into all the truth. And if it was amazing to them to think about the many more things that Jesus wasn't able to tell them, can you imagine their awe that they should have had anyway in their hearts when you find out that the Spirit who's coming isn't going to guide you into all the truth? All the truth? All the truth, the deep things that God knows? All the things that people have never seen or heard before? The Holy Spirit can guide us into those things? Yes, he can. It's amazing. If, if you own a concordance, one of, like today, when you hear all things, all the truth, you know, it wouldn't hurt if you have a concordance to just pick it up and look at the word. Well, actually, get a, if, if you can, get either a free software online or even pay for something that allows you to do a concordance on two words, by the way. The limitations of the, 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 the strongs and stuff is you're going to look at one word at a time. But you can look at two words or more in a computer-based one, an internet-based one. And if you were to look up all things, you, you would be, I think, amazed at how often that expression occurs. We're going to look at one passage today in the book of Colossians. And it's going to be about Christ and all things and all of the glory. and all, It's like overflowing. Paul said that we are the fullness of Christ in this world. Did you ever stop and wonder? What exactly is that all about? What does it mean that you and I, as members of the body of Christ, we are the fullness of Christ in this world? Every time I, I come across that, it blows my mind. Every time. I, I say, wow, there's so much more here. There's so much more here for us. The Holy Spirit will guide them and us into all the truth. Especially, again, when you consider that Jesus, when this, remember when the Spirit comes after Jesus goes back to the Father and is glorified at his right hand, then he sends the Spirit. So that means when he says that the things that I have, he will teach you because he will only teach what he hears, Remember, that's, that's in the context of Jesus back in heaven with his Father. And all of that truth is going to be available for the Spirit to give to the disciples and to us. I can't even imagine what all that truth will be. That's why it pains me when people say, Ah, I don't want to go to church anymore. I know all that stuff. 
right? I know all that stuff. I've heard the gospel before. I know that stuff. I even, I even know what justification means. Although I, I would challenge people to spawn it to give me a definition of justification. I wonder how you do. No, because it's not just you and your brain. We gather here together as a body where the Holy Spirit is knitting us together in love and the Holy Spirit's in our hearts. And so he's continuing to guide us. And here's the thing. You don't know what you don't know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm saddened when people think I got it all done. I know it all. I've done, I've studied, I've read systematic theology books. I'm good. No. The Bible says that you will be continued to have the Spirit guiding you into the truth till the day you die, and probably for all of eternity. But if you don't believe that, or if you don't take advantage of that, or you don't put yourself in the place where that magic, as it were, can happen, it's not going to happen. We're not, you know, we're not, we don't, we're not just sitting here like sunflowers, you know, waiting for the sun to come, and then we just go, pop. I mean, there's a sense in which that's us, because we can do nothing without him. But what we can do is come here on a Sunday and hear the word of God together. It's not so much important about any of my abilities, by the way. The most important thing is that we're here together listening to the word of God together. And as we do that, we're going to continue to be, we're going to grow. We're going to grow up, as, as it says in the book of Ephesians, into Christ, a, a, a mature man. That's what it's all about. Paul says that, you know, the end game, he told Timothy, of all of this instruction is love from a pure heart. We purify our hearts. We come to know Jesus. And and we do that, of course, first and foremost, for our relationship with him. But the indication of that is the fact that we're growing in love for one another. Haven't we seen that in the Gospel of John in this upper room discourse? If there's one thing that Jesus wanted them to take away from that night, it wasn't the miracles. It was, it was the fact that he told them to love one another as he loves them. And I dare say that if you wanted to boil down Christianity, you could say that it's simple. You are a sinner. Christ died for your sins and was raised from the dead. You believed in that. And now you're forgiven of all your sins. Now go love one another. That's, if you want to, you know, we don't, of course, there's so much more, obviously. It's funny, on the one hand, I'm saying, man, there's all this truth. And on the other hand, I'm saying, let's boil it all down to one sentence. But who says I was consistent? But the fact of the matter is, is that's Christianity in a nutshell. If you want to carry something around, it's basically never forget that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Never forget that when you were the, God's enemy, he gave you the most precious person He ever knew his son, Jesus Christ. He gave you when you were his enemy. He died. The son of God died. Why did that shepherd have to die? Right? Well, of course, Paul figured it out. And as it has to do with us, he said, Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself up for me, that ought to humble you and I. Humble us. And then realize that not only that, but he's forgiven us of all of our sins. God the Father, the moment we believed in Christ and, and realized that it was the blood of Christ is the only thing that we would never be able to do anything in our whole life. I don't care what it is. You could become President of the United States. You could become the Pope. You could become whatever you want to become. You could have all kinds of self-discipline and all kinds of rigors. Like, like Paul said, 
<laughs> but if you give, I gave my body to be burned. But in this sense, if I did all those things but didn't believe that only by the blood of the Lamb am I redeemed, then that's, forget that stuff. So, you, But you believe that, and now you, you have your eyes opened. But never more than the fact that I am here who I am in the, in, the, in the perfect spiritual connection with Jesus Christ and with the Father because Jesus died for me. And that, and that, that kind of love is un, unprecedented. It's unheard of that someone would die for his enemy like that, especially when that some, someone is God's son. And so when, when hopefully every once in a while, you go back to that, see? It's simple. You all know that. But go back to it. Go back to it in the connection of your everyday life. Something that happened to you. Something that you don't understand. When, you, when you're com- com- particularly involved in, in an intellectual approach to the word of God, go to, that, go to that. We're all equal at the cross, by the way. All we can do is stand there and look and understand what happened there for us, for the Father that Jesus Christ demonstrated, that his Father is holy, and we just look at that. And we understand that there's never anything I can do, could do, about the fact that I'm a sinner. And he did it. He, he, he's there on the cross, was there on the cross for me. And then that leads us to love one. This is not in my notes, by the way. This is just, sometimes I get guided by the Spirit. What a shock. He said that was going to happen, right? Yeah, the Spirit is going to listen to the conversations between the Father and the Son and teach us what he's hearing from them. What astounding conversations they must be having. Can you imagine then all the new things that we can continue to learn from our teacher, God the Holy Spirit? How about this? You know, the prophets longed to see so many things and understand them, and they couldn't. Please turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. 1 Peter 1 Peter 1.10. Now, this is a, a significant thing this morning. Peter was in that upper room then. Let's see what he comes back and says after Christ rises into heaven. Peter was the one who denied him. Peter was impetuous. Peter was the one who cut the ear off the servant of the high priest, totally misunderstanding the the calling of Jesus Christ, that he had to be taken and, and crucified. Peter was the one, this very night we're talking about, who Jesus had come and after the supper he had had girded himself and had water and he washed their feet and and he washed the feet of all the disciples and he came to Peter and he said, Peter said, nope, you're not going to wash my feet. Talk about misunderstanding things, right? Because Jesus had to shock him. Well, if I don't do that, you'll have no part with me. It was only later on, though, that Peter would understand what that was all about. Peter again, 1 Peter 1.10, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the prophets Micah, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, made careful searches and inquiries. They were seeking to know, they wanted to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them 
was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Who is this? The Spirit was in them because they were prophesying, by the way. He wasn't always with them. When he was when they were prophesying, they didn't do that. You know, men by, moved by the Holy Spirit, they're the only ones who can speak the words from God. But they wanted to know, who is this? Who is Isaiah, teaching about the servant of the Lord, was dying to know who that would be. When Zechariah talked about the fact that there would be one who would be sold for, for 30 pieces of silver, he would, must have wanted to know who that was going to be. Daniel, when he saw the Son of Man coming from the clouds, must have wondered, who is that going to be? Verse 12. Now, this is the amazing thing, though. It was revealed to the prophets that they were not serving themselves, but you. But you, you, me, the saints in the first century, the saints in all the centuries, the prophets were serving us. What does that mean? It means, for example, when when the prophet Isaiah proclaimed what we now have as chapter 53, when he was talking, he was wounded for our trespasses, crushed for our iniquities. And, and, And so we're the ones that are the beneficiaries of that. I dare say that there, we know that the people, that when, when Isaiah spoke those words, didn't know what he was talking about. If you look at, if you look at the history of Jewish scholarship, they, they don't know what it's talking about. As a matter of fact, the apostles before Christ was raised from the dead didn't know it. Philip, right, who went to see the, the Ethiopian eunuch, he knew, but the Ethiopian eunuch didn't. He was a God-fearing Gentile. In other words, he went to the temple. He went along with the Jews to celebrate their feasts. He didn't understand at all what, what, what Isaiah 53 was, and nobody really did, except for Jesus, of course, until the Spirit came and enlightened our hearts. That's why Peter says in verse 12, it was revealed to the prophets. Kind of, you kind of picture the same words that Jesus gave the disciples that night, right? I, I, Jesus, the Lord saying to Isaiah, I have many more things to teach you, but you can't bear them yet. But there will be a generation who can. And that's the church. That's us. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. And these things, which have, notice this, which, what's the next word? Very important word. I'll read, I'll read chapter, I'll slow down. Verse 12 again. It was revealed to them, the, the, the prophets, that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now, now, and only now, only after Jesus died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, only now, they've now been announced to you, to me, through those who preach the gospel, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Notice the last part. It wasn't just the prophets that wished they could have known. Things into which angels long to look. You know, people worship angels. You know that? They worship them. Or saints that are in statues or whatever. But, but, you know, people put angels, and I suppose to a certain extent, rightfully so, way, way up. Of course, we're warned not to get involved in that. You know, but the New Age certainly has that. I mean, you know, you see all the time the world's understanding of what an angel is and what it means and all that. The reality is 
that the things that you can learn just from the gospel are things not only that the prophets wish they were able to know, but angels long to look at those things too. These were the things that no eye had ever seen, that no ear had ever heard, things that had never entered into the hearts of men. These were things that the prophets longed to hear. These were things Isaiah longs to hear. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, yeah, verse 8, yeah. No, verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Jesus said, I have many more things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Yet, this is, of course, Paul now writing to the Corinthians They're not even Jewish, they're Gentiles. They were excluded from all the things that were available to the the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. They were the most messed up church there probably ever was. I mean, they had all kinds of crazy things going on. Way back when we studied the book of 1 Corinthians, they were messed, they were involved in some really bad stuff, like idolatry, like sexual perversion, like jealousy of one another. So it's to them that Paul writes this. Why? Because they too were believers. They too had the spirit in their hearts. Notice, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom, notice this, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. That things, this is what a, what, a, what a mystery is, by the way. Things that, of course, God knew forever, but held back. Essentially saying to the world and believers, the Jews, that you are not able to bear these things now, but after I go to the Father and the Spirit comes down, you will be able to. It's a mystery now revealed. Again, verse 7, we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom. Until, of course, now, which God had predestined before the ages to our glory. Verse 8, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. This is an indictment of this world that we live in, by the way. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, and this is a quotation from Isaiah 64. Notice what he said. Things which eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and all which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, for to us, notice that Isaiah dying to know what these things were. But he realized that no eye has seen those things yet when Isaiah was here. Ear has never heard these things, haven't even entered into the heart of men, their imagination even, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them how? Verse 10, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. Yeah, but never before 
only after the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus here for us. The Spirit, and notice this next thing. Remember that Jesus said that the Spirit will guide you into what? Some of the truth, a little bit of the truth, all the truth. Well, here we go. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. Yep. For the Spirit searches all things. And how far does he go? Even the depths of God. That's another one of those expressions that you come and ask me that, that's what I'm going to do. You know, why? Because it's so wonderful. That's the kind of statement that says that there's so much more. There are, there's so many things that the Spirit has for us to reveal us a little at a time because we can't take much more than a little at a time. But can you imagine that now, think of this, the, 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 the amazing part of being a Christian, I don't know any other way of putting it, that now we have the Spirit and he's searching all things. He's searching even the, he, he now can, can, can take the deep things of God, whatever those things are, and reveal them to us. This isn't some kind of cult. It's really simple. Like, what's the meaning of loving one another as Christ has loved us? That's kind of a deep thing of God. What's the meaning that God so loved us that he gave us his only son to die for us? There's some depths of God behind that, right? And, and the only way we're going to start to realize more and more how much God loves us and how, and how much blessing we've been, we have been given is by having the Holy Spirit guide us into those things. But not only that, go back to John chapter 16 now, verses 12 to 13, as we continue. Let's look at what else. Well, let me remind ourselves of what Jesus said once again. John 16, 12. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And notice this. And he will disclose to you what is to come. What is to come. In other words, they were going to learn about what was going to occur in the future. In the future. And I'm sure that they had many, many questions about the future. They must have been wondering, wait a minute. you going to die upends everything we understood about who the Messiah was. Now what? How is it going to be that God is still going to fulfill everything he said to David about, about his son who would be a king and have a kingdom, when you, who we recognize as the Messiah, are going to die now? That doesn't make sense. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the future? And you know, not only the disciples have those kind of questions, of course we do too. For example, how about this question? What about our destiny? The disciples might have, must have wondered, what about the destiny of Israel now? Right? But what about us? We sit here and we wonder at times, I think we should, what is our destiny? Where, where's God taken us? What's his plan for us? What's our destiny as members of the body of Christ? Well, they couldn't bear that truth, but we can 
because the Holy Spirit indwells our hearts. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit inspired the New Testament. And he inspired the Apostle Paul to reveal these things. For example, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. He will disclose to you what is to come. That's what, that's what we just read in John 16, 13. The Holy Spirit will disclose to you what is to come. Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul here, reveals things about the church that were never known. The church itself was never known till, till after Pentecost. And so the things, the things that are revealed about the church, by definition, are things which the eye had never seen before, the ear had never heard. And so when he says the things to come and it's the church involved, notice, notice what's to come for us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven. Where are we headed? Heaven. Where's this, what, how about the Jews and their citizenship? Where's their citizenship? No, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I don't want to get into the whole, but this is where, this is the things that we need to come to terms with. Because, see, see, if you look at all the promises to Israel, right, they're all earthly. There will be a king. There will be a kingdom. This, the earth will be marvelously fruitful. So the kingdom is, is on earth. The kingdom that the Lord will be given to the Israel, the promises that God gave to Abraham and David concerning Israel are all earthly. All earthly. Dave, again, David said he will have a son who will be a king and, and rule forever here on earth. Jesus Christ has to come back to earth to fulfill those promises to the Jews. Okay? So that's, that's where they're headed as a nation. But where are we headed? In fact, our citizenship is already there. We, we, of course, value being a citizen of the United States, and I understand that. But we have a much more marvelous citizenship. It's in heaven. That's our destiny. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. There's that all things, isn't there? All things. This Jesus has, has, has the power to subject all things to himself. When we started in the Gospel of John, we saw that the key question of the Gospel can be boiled down to one, who is Jesus? And that was something that was answered in part, just a part of it, to the disciples. But notice here, been revealed to us that Jesus has the power to subject all things to himself, things in heaven, things on earth. And he one day is going to come down for us, the church. He's going to be in the cloud and he's going to, he's going to transform the body of each and every believer in Christ, those dead and those alive at the time, into conformity with the body of his glory, the resurrected body of Christ. And then we will be taken with him to heaven and we will be with him wherever he goes forever. That's the destiny of the church. Those are clearly future things. Those are clearly things that are disclosed as to what would be to come. And those things were never disclosed until, until Jesus was in heaven. Well, here's another question. 
A question that may have been on the minds of the apostles that night, I don't know. But it's a great question about the future. What about the fate of this world? Where's this world headed? What, 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 what's going on here with global warming? What's going to happen? Is global warming going to destroy the planet? Well, I know you know the answer, but I'm saying... the. <laughs> But, but that's just a little thing, by the way, in comparison to this question. What's the fate of the whole world? John in 1 John says, this world is passing away and also it's lust. But he who does the will of God lives forever. What's the fate? What's the end, if I could put it that way, of this world? We sit here and people say, that's the end of the world, right? We've been hearing that expression since we were little kids, right? You, you think it would be the end of the world because you can't go on vacation, you know? Well, what is the end of the world going to be? Look at Second Peter now, chapter three, verse ten. These are these are these are these are things that were disclosed. Things that are to come. And again, I find it interesting that we go to the apostle Peter once again for that, because he was sitting there that night when Jesus said, "The Spirit will disclose to you things to come." Perhaps little did he know that he would be the vessel for so many of those things. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. For the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. Never mind global warming. This is, this is the stars. This is the sun. This is the, the, the Milky Way. Not the bar. The, the stars. Everything. The heavens. Notice. Will pass away with a roar. And the elements carbon, nitrogen, all of that will be destroyed with intense heat. And the whole earth and all its works will be burned up. Disclosing what is to come. This is the fate of the world. The world that, boy, if you think about the unbelieving world and you think about how they see the things of this earth and how they cling to them and how they think that's, this is the only thing that is. The only thing that is is what, what I can touch and see. I want, I want more of this world. So many people, if you ask them, what are you living for? And you can boil it, whatever the answer is. If it's not my citizenship in heaven, if it's not the hope of Jesus coming back, it's going to be something about this world. You know, I want to have a better job. And that's okay. I'm, I have to say this. I'm not putting any of those things down. As long as you understand that those things are temporary, God has given them for us for our time. There's nothing wrong with them. There's everything wrong with living for them and thinking they're the ultimate. Why? Because there will a day will come when not only will the earth and its works be burned up, but even the heavens will pass away with a roar. Verse 11. What does that mean now that that's been disclosed? Since all these things, all of these things, the stars, the, the people are worshiping the stars these days. You say, are you sure about that? Oh, yeah. Ever hear of a horoscope? They're worshiping the stars and the movements and everything. And, oh, boy, there's going to be an eclipse. Oh, let's sit there in the desert and go, ooh, ah, I'm worshiping the sun god. Yeah, okay, but those things are going to be destroyed. Okay? All of them. So how should we live? Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people? Ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. You might say, 
Well, there's no hope. That's it. I get it. This is going to end terribly. There's no point to life. The heavens are going to go away. The earth's going to go away. Read on. For the believer in Christ, verse 13. But according to his promise, we, see the church, are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's our destiny, as it were. The opposite of the world's. What things we can learn from our teacher. We can learn things that are above where Christ is. Think about that. We can learn about things that, about where Christ is. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Please turn to Colossians now, chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, 1. Because of all of the all things that are mind blowers, there's nothing more necessary and astounding than all the things about Christ. All the things about Christ. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, since you have been raised up with Christ, keep, think, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Can you imagine the fact, the reality, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places now? That we've been raised up with him. Therefore, that's where our life is. We should seek those things. The things above. The things about Jesus Christ. Not the things here. Ultimately, there's no... When people say there's no meaning to life. You know what? If they're looking just about the things of this world. They're right. (laughs) They're right. There is no meaning to this world. But there is a meaning to the things above. See, that's the thing. We have to understand who we are. Right? Jesus said, Paul said, we've died. I'm crucified with Christ. And yet I live. Why? Because we have a life that's hidden with Christ and God. And someday he's going to be revealed and we're going to see who we really are. But nothing is going to be more marvelous than who Jesus Christ is. And all his fullness the all things, when he says all the truth, the all things, nothing can hold a candle to the all things about Christ. Let's continue now in the, gospel, in, the, in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 15. Go back to chapter 1, verse 15. Holy Spirit will reveal all the truth. All of it. And nowhere is that more relevant than when it comes to Christ, all the things about him. Look at Colossians 1.15. And I want, you to, I, want to, I want you to, as we take this in, be honest with yourself and say, have I really probed the depths of what that statement means. 
And especially when you start looking at that word all. All. Do I know all? Look, verse 15. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Wow. I mean, we could take the rest of the week and just take that statement and go to the Holy Spirit. Please guide me into more what this means. What does it mean that Christ is the firstborn of all creation? Verse 16, notice the all here. For by Christ, all things were created. Both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, or the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. There's that phrase again. All things have been created through him and notice and for him. What does that mean? Can we, can we really say that we have thought all of this through, that we understand what it means that Christ is God and he's the firstborn of creation, he created everything both in the heavens and on the earth? Do we really stay? When, when they send out a probe to Mars, we can say, yeah, that's nothing because Jesus Christ did all of that a long time ago. Don't ask me when because I can't get involved in that. It doesn't matter, right? He did it all. Thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Do you realize that? When you read the Bible from cover to cover, every once in a while you should say, all these things are for Christ. All these things are for Christ. For it was the Father's good... Whoops, I skipped. And and here's here's where we come in. Notice, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in... Everything. Again, can you, can you be honest? Can you, can you list out all those things that he'll have first place in? I'll tell you what, I can't. <laughs> Why? Because there's things there that are, that are deep. Things there that the Spirit will reveal a little bit at a time. Verse 19, for it was the Father's good pleasure for what? All the fullness to dwell in him. To dwell in him. Who is this Jesus who created all things, visible and invisible, heavens and the earth? Who is this thing, this, this person in whom all the things of the universe are holding together right now? Who is this Jesus? He's the head of the body, the church. Wow. We're the church. He's our head. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He's going to have, come to have first place in everything, and you're worried about anything, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile what? All, there it is again, all things to himself. Having, what does that mean? I I mean, I've had had occasion for the Spirit to guide some of those. It's always through the word of God. I'm not talking about heavy revies here. I'm just like this passage. Help me, Lord. Help me to understand what that's more of what that's about. He reconciled all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, the centrality of what happened at the cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. We could go on, okay? Look at Colossians 2. I'm just showing you the, de- the description of what this, is all, this could be all about. What it is all about, but we could come to a better understanding of. Colossians 2, 2. That their hearts may be encouraged, 
having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from a full assurance of understanding. Notice the connection between having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth. That those are connected somehow. Somehow loving one another as Christ has loved us becomes access to all the wealth. Jesus defined eternal life so that they may know you, Father, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life. To all this full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. What is the ultimate mystery that God has revealed? Yeah. So so don't look at me sometime. Where do you have to look? (laughs) The word. That's the, that's the thing. Go to the word and say, what's well, right there? That their hearts, verse 2, may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself. It all begins and ends with Christ himself. And then look at verse 3. Time to get our mind blown one more time. In whom, in Christ, are hidden in whom are hidden, verse 3, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I hope by now you're just throwing up your hands and saying, this is too marvelous. I, I, I can't, but I can't wait to get back into the word again so that the spirit will guide me into more of what this is all about. So, so that, what we did today is, of course, just a ripple on the, on the ocean of what's there in terms of the depth of who Christ is. John 16, 12. We're going to wrap this up. It's our passage today. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. By the way, that's real good advice for pastors. Okay, We don't speak on our own. We shouldn't speak on our own initiative. Whatever we hear from the word of God, we speak. And the Spirit will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine, takes of the all things of Christ and discloses it to you. All the truth, inexhaustible riches, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we've just scratched the surface this morning. And time has failed me. I can tell you no more of this this morning. You're going to have to go back. You can continue this today or tomorrow or whenever. All you got to do is read a passage like in the epistles and ask a simple question. What does this teach me about Christ? What does this teach me about Christ? And let the Spirit guide you into all the truth. And you know how that will work? How, the way that that will work is that you will take that passage and then you will, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance, if it's in there, other passages that help explain that one. 
So it's not magic, okay? It has to do with the word of God and the Holy Spirit guiding you into the truth by means of the word of God. You can take one, anyone's passage in scripture and, and the Spirit can show you how hundreds of passages relate to it. And he does the work, right? Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is a light. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again this morning for opening up a door to the immensity of all things that the Spirit has to guide us into all the truth. Help that to humble us, but not intimidate us. That we're really, at the end of the day, really not here to be, to be so smart. We're here that maybe all the truth we need for the next month is in one simple statement about Christ. That he has forgiven us. We ought to forgive one another. That's deep, too. So help us, Father, to understand that, that it's not a question of knowing, 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 knowing but it's a question of the meaning and living our lives accordingly. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All righty. Just want to mention, every once in a while I mention this. Nobody ever takes me up on it, but that's okay. If you've got a question, you can email it. Okay? And that's the best way. But you know what? Because I'm getting older. Can you see any gray here? You can see it here, right? And the thing about it is you might ask me a question and you want an answer right then. And off the top of this graying brain, I'll give you an answer. But it won't be a good one necessarily because I got to do the same thing myself, which is take that question, take some time, study other scriptures, and then come back. Okay? I'm not the shell answer man, right? Nor should I be because the answer is in the word, not my brain. Okay? If you have a question, email it to me. Okay, that's all. Remember, Thursday evening Bible study, next Sunday, noon, rather than 10 o'clock. The gospel of Jesus Christ, we can oh, we always go back to the cross, right? And the fact that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every human being, being justified, declared righteous by God as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ. Christ came for us when we were dead in our sins and the enemy of the Father. He died for us. He died to to satisfy the holiness of his Father and then to rescue us from a certain judgment. And he was buried. And on the third day, God the Father raised him from the dead as an indication that all who believe in Christ are seen as righteous in God's eyes forever. And, and, And he simply says, you didn't do any of that. All I'm asking you to do is recognize the truth in that. And get rid of and think about how it wipes out all the lies about how you're going to fix yourself and about how, th- how, how you can go anywhere and get some truth. Erase all of that. Realize there's one place, the foot of the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ. You believe in that and you will have eternal life. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this time this morning. May it be just the beginning of a journey this week through your word. May it all, may we also never get too he- much full ahead and realize that it's all about, ultimately all about the love. The son times and all we can do, Father, is just sit there and say, the only thing that matters, Father, right now is that you love me. And I realize, too, that the only thing that, that he asks us to do is to love one another. Thank you for this. 
And we thank you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in our hearts. Amen.